0: Welcome to The Word Encounter, episode 218. And today I'm just going to do a gospel summary as we just finished the book of John yesterday. So we've gone through all four books of the gospel, and so I just thought it might be a good idea just to do a, a, a kind of um, review or summary of the gospels and what I believe are the main events and the main themes that the, uh, that the gospels are trying to get across to those who are reading them. And so let's just start. And like I said, I, I break this into, into two parts, events and themes. And so first of all, with the events, uh, we find in, uh, uh, in the book of Matthew, uh, the birth of Jesus and his early life. And we found out that you know, he was born under supernatural circumstances, you know, born, uh, uh, Mary being supernaturally impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And then uh, her husband, uh, Joseph, uh, first was going to, you know, separate from her, you know, until he got a visitation from an angel explaining what had happened, that Mary was not unfaithful to you, you know, that she was uh, impregnated by the Holy Spirit because the Son of God is, is the baby that she was going to be carrying. And so, We find out that uh, also in a similar time frame, a visitation, a a heavenly visitation was made uh, to Elizabeth, uh, telling her that she was also going to be uh, uh, the bearer of a child and that he would be named John and that John would be uh, the forerunner, not the forerunner, but he would be a herald. He would be the one that would announce the coming of Jesus and so John was born before Jesus was born, and in fact, John did uh, become the herald of Jesus. He lived out in the wild. Uh, the word says he uh, ate locusts and 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 honey, and and uh, he was out in the wild. And people would go out and get baptized by John, and he would announce the coming of Jesus. And so. <clears throat> As Jesus uh, grew and in, in got of age, well, we find out when he was twelve years old, uh, he was preaching in in the synagogues in Jerusalem. You know, and uh, so much so that at one point in time, uh, his parents, uh, Joseph and Mary, were going back home from Jerusalem. They didn't realize that Jesus was not with them, so they went back and they said, uh, after three days, you know, he says, you know, why didn't you let us know? And he says, well didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? You know, so this is, they're getting some indication now of what this situation is, what it's like to be the parent of the son of God. And so then he grows. Uh, he was a car- carpenter following his father's footsteps and he grows. And then uh, it comes time for him go to be baptized by john the baptist and john doesn't want to do it because he says you know lord you should be baptizing me not me you but jesus says no scripture has to be fulfilled and so this is what takes place and then as jesus comes out of the water uh after being baptized by uh, john uh, and it says the heavens said you know this is my son in whom i'm in whom i am well pleased you know so kind of confirming you know, who Jesus was. And so from this point forward, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, well, immediately after that, Jesus went into the wilderness. And the word says that God led him into the wilderness, not the enemy, not the devil. God led him into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And, um, And when he came out, of that experience. Now remember, this was right after he got baptized. And then he went into this wilderness experience. And so right after he got, gets baptized, right after uh, uh, God confirms who he is, he gets sent to the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. And it says the angels tended to him. And when he came out, um, he was met by whom? The enemy. He was met by the enemy at a weak point, you know? And, and so he was tempted. He was tempted by the enemy at that point, Uh, And and so Jesus um, did not succumb to the pressures, did not succumb to the temptation. See, the word says that Jesus experienced all the temptations that man experienced, not just your temptations, not just my temptations, but all mankind's temptations. So that means that he has been tempted by things that we've never been tempted by, but he denied them all. And so here he was ha- uh, here he is coming out of his wilderness experience in a weakened state, a physically weakened state. Uh, 40 days and 40 nights essentially of fasting in the wilderness. And he's met at his weak point by the enemy, by the devil, you know, offering him things that sound very good. You know, I'll give you the entire kingdom. Everything you see, I'll give to you. And this, that, and the other. But Jesus denied it all. Denied it all. And so he defeated the devil in doing that. After this experience is when he started his ministry. First, The first thing he did is he went on a recruiting trip, if you will. And he started to recruit his disciples. And he would tell Peter, John, and, you know, and Matthew, come follow me. And the word says they immediately dropped things and followed him. And so there must have been some kind of confirmation in, this, in their spirit that this guy that's calling me is the Messiah, or else why would they just drop everything and follow him? But they did that. And that's exactly what they did. And from that point on, they went on uh, a journey, if you will, in the region, you know, healing people, casting out devils, you know, uh, doing all kinds of works and miracles amongst the people. You know, and so this went on for you know, a little over three years. They went throughout the region, you know, a, a traveling band, if you will, going throughout the territories, uh, meeting the needs of the people, feeding the people, healing them from diseases, uh, uh, allowing the uh, 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 yeah, allowing the blind to see, you know, the deaf to hear, you know. So they were, you know, driving out um, evil spirits, you know, uh, all kind of stuff. They were just curing people of their uh, ailments. In their infirmities. And so during this whole time, as Jesus is going through this whole thing in the different territories, he's also imparting and schooling his disciples. See? He's also... Um, Giving them understanding with regard to the things that they are seeing. He is, in fact discipling them as they're going through this in, uh, entire thing because the disciples, they don't know what their witness is. they don't know what they're seeing. And remember, Jesus would speak in a lot of parables and riddles. and they would come back after the fact and ask him, Lord, what does this mean? You know and he said, he was doing this on purpose essentially, you know, as as kind of a tool a, a, a sifting tool to see who was hungry and who wasn't. And so he would explain these things. He would explain his parables to his disciples. He would give them some insight into the way God the Father thinks through these parables. He would give them insight in in so far as what God uh, the Father thought was important, what his priorities were. And so he went through this entire thing, you know, confirming what he was saying with signs and wonders. So he would would speak his word and confirm his word. And many people believed. Many people believed and then fell off the wagon. Many people never believed. And usually the ones that never believed were doing so for selfish reasons. Because they didn't want to believe because they knew that what he was doing was threatening their lifestyle and their well-being on earth. And they didn't want anything to change as far as that was concerned. And so Jesus was a threat. And so he 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 was confronted by those uh, that felt threatened by him, mainly the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the religious hierarchy in the society at the time. And so this went on. And this went on and this went on and it got to the point where the religious people just felt they couldn't take this anymore. They couldn't they couldn't have this be the case anymore. And so they plotted to kill him. So the only thing we can do is to get rid of this guy. And so in, in, in plotting to kill him, they, had to, uh, they didn't have the authority in the Roman Empire to execute people. So they had to get uh, uh, an order of execution from a Roman official. And so they went to Pilate and they were creating all kinds of cases against him. But these were not capital cases from the government standpoint. See, it wasn't until they threatened Pilate to tell Caesar that here you had a man calling himself a king, which would threaten Caesar's kingship, and that if uh, if Pilate didn't do what they wanted him to do, they were going to report him to Caesar, and then Caesar was going to deal with him. Well, that got Pilate to move. So then Pilate essentially sentenced him to death. And so... <clears throat> They carry Jesus, uh, they walk and parade him through after beating him, whipping him, and whatnot. They carry him through, parade him through the territory in Jerusalem, and they put him on um, uh, Golgotha, on the cross, in order to crucify him with two other criminals. And this was done in order to fulfill prophecy. And while he was dying on the cross, You know, it says that soldiers were dividing up his clothes and this, that, and other. They had a sign over his head, this is the king of the Jews, to mock him and, and whatnot. But it says that when Jesus gave up his last, when he gave up his ghost, if you will, he said, it is finished, or it is done. It being why I came, my mission is done. It is now over. And with that, he gave up his spirit and he died. But as he was educating his disciples through their journeys through the territories and he kept t- telling him that he had to die so that he could you know arise again, I'm pretty sure that the disciples did not was were not comprehending what he was saying and they still when he died they still didn't understand what was going on so when Jesus died on the cross, there was Mary the two Marys and some other women there they witnessed it and and um and so then Joseph, one of the Pharisees, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus's body. And so he wanted to treat the body out of respect. He didn't want the body to decompose on the, on the cross or anything like that. And so he brought linens and myrrh and aloe and, and other things in order to treat the body. And so he did that and then put it in the cave and then rolled a the stone over the cave uh, uh, in order. That was Jesus's tomb, if you will. And so the following day, the women came back, the stone was rolled away from the uh, entrance to the cave, and they noticed that there was no body in there, but there were angelic beings in there. One gospel says there was one, the other ones say there were two, um, and they were saying, woman, what, what are you looking for? Who are you looking for? And she says, my Lord, you know, they've taken him, and I, you know, I've come to, uh, to gather his body, or, uh, and, and they said, well, he's not here, he has risen. And so, and in one of the gospel accounts, it says that she turned around and Jesus was standing there. And, you know, she didn't recognize him until he called her Mary. And then she ran back and she told the disciples, she says, I've seen the Lord. Then Peter and John ran to the tomb, you know, and so they saw that it was empty. And then they encountered the Lord. And so we see that Jesus has, has resurrected, just as he said that he would. Now, there are people out there who don't believe that Jesus resurrected. They don't believe that any of this happened. And so, But the detail in which it is told, and there's some other indications um, in, in, in a couple of Gospels, it says the soldiers were placed outside of the tomb. Well, if you know anything about Ancient of Days, Uh, what happens is if if a soldier was assigned to protect something or guard something and something happened to it, then that was punishable by death to those soldiers. And so, and so it doesn't make any sense to me that the soldiers um, would, 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 would lie about, or it makes perfect sense, I should say that the soldiers would be paid off in order to, uh, give across the idea that Jesus was not dead. He did not die on the cross, okay? He was, in fact, alive, and that he escaped from the tomb. You see, there's no way that the soldiers would allow that to happen unless they were paid off. And so that's what a lot of people think. That's, that's you know, with a group of people think, that Jesus never died on the cross and that he, in fact, was alive and that he escaped from the tomb. to me it's way more plausible that he was risen from the dead and did exactly as he said he uh, would do and this is consistent with everything else that he spoke and everything else that he did all the prophecy that was fulfilled in his lifetime and so it it just to me the evidence is overwhelming that he in fact did die on the cross that he did he was raised from the dead and that he uh, came out of the tomb as he said he would and then uh, we find that he was uh, on Earth after he uh, after he had arisen uh, for a number of days and uh, doing some some work with the disciples, if you will, giving some final instructions and whatnot, and promising the Blessed Holy Spirit would come on this, on him, and then he ascended into heaven. You know, and so those are the, kind of the events um, in the Gospels. Now, what are the things? First of all, the number one theme of the gospel, in my opinion, is Jesus explaining what his purpose and his mission was, why he came in the first place. And it's a very simple answer, to set the captives free. That was his whole mission, to come and identify what was enslaving people It was not other people. It was not other regimes. It was not other empires. It was sin. And so he came to identify the enemy and then to set the people free from the enemy. We find a whole account in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. You know, when Jesus says, you know, that he has come to preach the good news to the poor, you know, to set the captives free. And so that's why it came. He came to uh, impart. He came to impart wisdom with regard to knowing what the enemy is. How can you fight the enemy unless you first know who the enemy is? See, you have to first accurately know who the enemy is. It's not other people, it's sin. Ident- accurately identify the enemy, and then give the people uh, the tools, the methodology, the process with with which they can set themselves free from this enemy. See? So that's why he came. He came to set the captives free. And the captives are enslaved by sin and that sin manifests in a whole lot of different ways, <laughs> in a whole lot of different areas. And so he came to free people from being enslaved to sin. So that, you know, Jesus's purpose uh, is one of the main themes, in my opinion. Another theme is Jesus is who he says he is. And so, throughout the Gospels, you know, we, he's confronting the scribes and the Pharisees and, and whatnot as they're trying to trap him with these questions and this that, and the other. And Jesus always is masterfully, you know, displaying to them a supernatural wisdom that is not of this earth. And so this can only be from the threshold of God. And so he is, you know, a theme is that this man who says he's the son of God, who says that he and God the Father are one, who says that he is in me and I am in him, the whole gospels support that Jesus is who he says he is. And so to me, that is a, a, a critical theme in the Gospels. You know, Jesus is a perfect representation of God. When we see Jesus, we see God the Father. We want to know what God is like. All we have to do is gaze on Jesus. Jesus and God are one. I am in Him, and He is in me. And so, Jesus being uh, uh, who He is, or Jesus being being who He says He is, is a critical theme in the Gospels. A third theme in the gospels in my opinion is the prophetic fulfillment. So we see a lot of Jesus saying this happened in order that prophecy might be fulfilled. That happened in order that that prophecy might be fulfilled. And this occurs many times in the gospels where Jesus is referring back to the Old Testament prophets and what they said and how what was occurring at that at that time is fulfilling what the prophets said hundreds of years earlier. And so prophetic fulfillment is a significant theme in the Gospels so that we we can see that what was spoken hundreds of years previously is in fact occurring. And so this is proof. See, this is proof of the um, infallibility of God's word. See, this is proof. These guys said this hundreds of years ago, and here we are hundreds of years later, and exactly what they said is being fulfilled. And so prophetic fulfillment is a major theme in the Gospels. Another major thing is it should come across is that perfection is not required in order to gain entrance into the kingdom of God. All we have to do is read the account of the disciples and Peter in particular. And some these dudes were not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. They failed, they failed again, they were confused, they had doubt, they didn't know. They, they were not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, see? A lot of people think, I believe, that they have to be perfect in, or, in order to be a son, or daughter, a son or daughter of God. And none of these guys were perfect, but what they had and what was sincere within them and what was unshakable in them is that they, they desired they desired to be a, a child of the living God. They wanted to do right. See, they were not interested in letting themselves off the hook. They wanted to correct their wrong ways. There was a sincere desire to know God. And so if that desire is sincere in you, you know, again, you don't have to be perfect. See, but you can't be fooling yourself either. You can't be faking yourself out. You can't be trying to use God, you know, uh, trying to, you know, by saying the right words or using the right phrases or whatever to impress men. You know, when you lay your head on the pillow at night, whether or not you're sincere in your pursuit of the things of God. That's what he's after, that sincerity. The fifth theme, I believe, is uh, believe in who he is for eternal life. the gospels get across that if you want access to eternal life then you have to believe in who jesus is you have to believe that he is in fact the son of god that he is in fact in god and that god in fact is in him he's not just a teacher rabboni you know he's not just a rabbi he's not just a messenger He's not just a, 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 a speech maker. He is, in fact, the Son of God. And God, the Father, and him are one. So, you know, you have a lot of people out there that acknowledge Jesus, but don't acknowledge that he is the Son of God. See? And that is the key for entrance uh, into eternal life. And so if, if, if you negate that, then you, you, you negate the promise. See, you, you negate all of that. And so that's critical. And another thing with regard to this particular uh, uh, thing, believing in God does not shield you from the events of life. If, because you believe in Jesus, that doesn't mean you're going to be shielded from things that occur in your life. That doesn't mean that you're gonna be shielded from pain, heartache, depression, or any of this stuff. Some people think that if I, if I just had this then I would be shielded. No, 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 this doesn't shield you from life. You still have to live life. But you live life from a different perspective. You live life with a different understanding. You, di- you live life with a different sense of priorities. But it doesn't shield you from those things of life. The sixth theme in my opinion is that belief actually has action. Belief isn't just a belief. Belief manifests in obedience. And so uh, Jesus says, if you love me, then do what I command. <laughs> and so it's not just that we sit, we sit back and passively believe. If we truly believe, then we obey, see? Yeah, I heard it said before, like, to understand and not to do is not to understand. See, so if you're saying that you understand something, but it doesn't uh, motivate any changes, then you really don't understand. See, So believe, to believe and not to do is not to believe. If your belief in Jesus as the son of God Doesn't manifest changes in your life, doesn't manifest changes in priorities, then the question is do you really believe? And so I think the Gospels make that pretty clear. The seventh thing is that love is sacrificial, leadership is sacrificial. These aren't things that we sit back and we absorb, these are things that we give out, we serve others. True biblical love is serving others. True biblical leadership is serving others. Jesus came to serve. He served the disciples. He served those. He fed the thousands. He served those people. That's what he did. He came to serve and through his service to lead people into eternal life. But it was through service. The eighth theme in the Gospels, in my opinion, is loving one another is not optional. Those others in the body of Christ, loving other others, and again, love is not necessarily this emotional feeling thing. See, love is, can I, can I truly and honestly say that my desire for you is nothing but the best things in life? You know, can I truly say that, hey... I might not love, you know, it's, it's possible that I could not like somebody, but still love them. Because I cannot like somebody and still serve them. I cannot like somebody and still desire the best for them and their family. So I'm still loving them, even though I might not like them. But loving one another is not optional. And we need to learn this in spades in the body of Christ in the United States. We have a schism between the white folks and the black folks in the body of Christ, different priorities, different, different methodologies, different methodologies are important, uh, but priorities and, and how we look at each other, that's critical. You know, if we are going to turn things around in this country and prioritize the things of God, that cannot happen unless there's unity in the faith between all segments of the faith. Number nine, another theme is, the good news is to be spread. It's not to be kept within us. And in doing so, you can't be ashamed of the gospel. Some people are ashamed of, of or afraid that other people might find out that they're a believer, because they don't want to experience the blowback from culture. You know, says, hey, If you're ashamed of me, Jesus says, I'll be ashamed of you in front of the father. You don't want that. You want Jesus to be trumpeting, you know, you to the highest heaven before the father. You don't want him to be ashamed of you before the father. Now, that doesn't mean you go around beating people over the head with the gospel, because in that case, you're not doing it for their benefit. So you're doing it for your own benefit so that you can say, yeah, I'm trying to spread the gospel. No, you don't go beating people over the head. The word even, t- even says that if somebody doesn't accept it the dust, uh, to wipe the dust off your shoes and to leave the town, go somewhere else. It doesn't say stay there and beat them over the head. You know, so if somebody's trying to stuff the gospel down your throat, they are not obeying the things of the Lord. See? So through your lifestyle and through your commitment, people should see how the ways of the Lord are working in your life. And so, what you are saying to them should be confirmed by your lifestyle, and vice versa. And that is what influences people. That is what affects people. Verse ten, or verse (laughs) ten, the tenth theme, and the tenth and the final theme that I see in the Gospels is that one day we will see Him. That's what all of this is pointing to. One day we will see Him in his kingdom and we will be a part of that kingdom. And so, uh, this is my summary of what the Gospels are all about and what I'm sure I missed a whole bunch of stuff, (laughs) you know. It was just kind of as I was thinking about it, arranging and organizing my thoughts, this is kind of how it came out. And so I hope that may have assisted some of you, I don't know. But anyway, tomorrow we will pick up in the book of Acts in chapter one, And uh, that'll be some uh, exciting reading and studying. And so I hope you join us for the next episode of The Word Encounter. And never forget that Jesus, as we have just gone through his Gospels, is making this invitation. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is in fact Lord, then the Word says that you will not be put to shame and you will be saved. Take him up. Take him up on that invitation. Say, yes, Lord, I will come. I honestly and sincerely believe in my heart and I am confessing now with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And with that, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.